So Omar yes. Islam's Paul, uh -huh. what does he do? One day the hadith says that he passes by a woman and she was wearing a hijab and the hijab was covering her hair. Okay. Okay. And then, and then he hits her. Not why? She's he, covering for He her hits her because she's covered. That's insane. My dear sister Sarah B. How are you? Good to have you here. I'm truly honored to be here. The honor is mine. So, Sarah, um, today we want to talk about um, the head covering, the hijab. Um, and uh, what is its origin and whether or not the head covering is obligatory in religion. But before we get to there, mm -hmm. I just want to say that um, it is extremely unfortunate that uh, conversations that have to do uh, with topics uh, pertaining to religion mm -hmm. are uh, seemingly largely forbidden uh, in the in the minds of uh, most followers of uh, religions, especially the religion of Islam, and it's almost like everybody thinks all the Muslims think that the form of Islam that is present today is the final form. It is the correct form. It's blasphemous to question it, you know, or to even consider. It to be wrong, and, and if somebody did question uh, an aspect of of the religion or wanted to entertain a discussion about it, you would think that people that have the truth with them uh, would be able to do more than just uh, curse or um, you know make fun of or draw conclusions uh, that have no basis in reality, like the person that is posing. Uh, the topic is uh, is an agent or an enemy of Islam. You would think that people that have the truth uh, would be able to uh, combat falsehood with the truth that they have. So they shouldn't be worried about anything. Uh, they should actually be concerned about saving the souls of uh, the individuals that are uh, speaking um, and uh, the uh, the people that are having these discussion or having these these questions but in, instead of gaining fruitful discussions out of the topics it's so sad so many times we see that uh, the people they disregard the entire mm -hmm. topic disregard all of the points all of the evidence and they just want to curse they want to, um, mock. you know, mock and they want to basically slander. That is so true, Father. Because uh, that's all you see right now, don't you? Yes. Everything that comes out from what you say, the only thing that you get come back instead of evidence or any anything to, like, deprove you, all they're saying is things like, you're a kafir, you're a dajjal, you're this or that. And, that's it. that's and, and it's not even really just about me, sir. It's about anybody. Everything. Everybody. Oh, yeah. everybody. everybody that brings up a topic... 
uh, or a question that has to do or a discussion that has to do with Islam that's outside of the mainstream view, uh, they consider him to be a heretic and they, they're like, a, you know, just waiting to uh, start making death threats against him or to issue a, a fatwa against her or whatever it is that mm. they... Um, you know, have a mind that they want to do. And it, it is unfortunate because it's it goes against what the Prophet Muhammad had taught us and told us to do. The Prophet Muhammad and his family, they always told us to question our religion and to understand it. Uh, even if we were called disbelievers, even okay. if we were called crazy, a person has nothing that's that should be more important to him than to uh, reach the truth when it comes to uh, their religion and um, you know how else can a person reach the truth how can a how can a jew okay mm-hmm. in the in the in the eye uh, in the view of a christian how could a jew uh, find jesus christ if he didn't uh, question his own faith exactly right? how can exactly. A, a christian in the view of a muslim uh, reach the truth of muhammad accepting muhammad unless he questions his own narrative right but, so it's like they encourage questioning a narrative you know only if it only to the point where it leads to where they're at you know mm-hmm. their comfort zone, mm-hmm. but if they but they don't want to question after that. Uh, you know, a Shia is is so happy in encouraging Sunnis to question their narratives mm-hmm. so that they can, uh, you know, uh, realize that there is a conspiracy in Islam and that Imam Ali and the Ahl Bayt were oppressed. But then they don't want to question the narrative after that. It's uh, it's really it's pathetic to be honest with you. Truly, um, and. We have narrations uh, from the Ahl Bayt, from the Imams, uh, that have clearly stated that when the Mahdi comes, one, nothing will remain of Islam except for its name. Nothing would remain of the Quran except for its writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The mosques themselves would be empty of guidance. So if we believe these words, we have to assume that, uh, you know, the the mosque and the people that are preaching in the mosque, it's not the place to go. Exactly. Uh, the majority, you shouldn't listen to them yeah. because they're going to lead most of mankind astray. And that's why the Hadith say, says that when the Mahdi comes, he does what the Prophet of Allah does. Mm. Uh, when the Prophet appeared in the time of the Jahiliyyah, the ignorance, mm-hmm. he destroys all that which came before him and establishes Islam anew. Which means what? Which means that the state of the of the Muslims in the time of the Mahdi, it's the same as they were in the time of Rasulullah in a state of ignorance. They have no religion, you know, and just like the, the Prophet had to had to bring Islam to life again and, and, and tell people about the religion, the Mahdi has to do the same thing. Except the Mahdi faces a harsher uh, time because the Prophet, during his time, they're just worshipping sticks and stones. Mm-hmm. But in the time of the Mahdi, uh, everybody is uh, using, uh, using religion as an argument. against him nonetheless none of this stuff should stop us and we're going to continue uh moving forward Mm -hmm. you know and uh, being a shining light uh, in the darkness for all those who uh really wish to uh, seek the truth so today's topic has to do with the head covering let's get into it it's a heavy topic it is a heavy topic head covering is a symbol of islam now 
you know, anytime you see a woman that's wearing a head veil, you know, you think to yourself, Muslim. Yes. Right? Yeah. And uh, most of uh, the schools of thought within Islam consider that uh, the headscarf is absolutely obligatory. It's a commandment that you can't break. Mm-hmm. And that it is in the Quran and, and anybody who breaks it is a non-believer really and is, is going to end up going to hellfire. This is the opinion of, you know, most of yeah. the scholars, uh, you know, uh, some people they consider, oh, God's more merciful. But it, but in general, it is like something which is fard. It's a farida. Mm-hmm. You have to do it. Okay. In the opinion of most people. Um, certainly there are exceptions when we look at Christianity, we also find, oddly enough, uh, even though we don't see it on the normal, uh, you know, in the normal, uh, you know, as a symbol of the normal Christian women or the normal Christian population, mm-hmm. we still find that the nuns that are in the churches are f- wearing this full headdress. Yes. They're totally covering their hair. And you find in a lot of the paintings and imagery, film, um, you know, uh, you find women that are Christian, Mm -hmm. uh, early saints, uh, early Christians that were wearing this headdress. Yes. And uh, many of the images that are associated with uh, Mary, Mother of Christ, and almost all of them, you'll always find her wearing like some sort of headdress. And when you look into Judaism, you also find in most of the, the imagery, and you find in real life in communities of Jews... Uh, across America and in the Middle East, not all Jews, but you'll find some Orthodox Jews, practicing Jews, their women are always wearing a headdress or a head veil. Uh, It's a little bit different, obviously, from Judaism to Christianity to Islam. In Islam, there's three forms of of like a headdress that they have. They have the hijab, right? And the hijab is pretty much like it's... uh, it's, Yeah, it's a head cover. Can you put it on for the viewers here so that they can, you know, just slightly show them uh, what it would look like? So the hijab is more for like the hair. Basically. Yes. So they say, because hair is the woman's beauty, so they would like cover it all the way. Exactly. You know? So it'd be, it it'd would be like something like something like, like this. Exactly. With, Perfect. Without any of the hair showing. Amazing. And then the second form is the khimar. Ah, yes. And the khimar, so it would basically be like a hijab and it's covering, uh, way, like, you know, the like, face. Yeah. Uh, but but the the hijab, it's it's not short like a normal, uh, like you were demonstrating. It goes yeah, all, all the, the way, way down, down here to yes. like the waist. Yeah. It will cover, um, it will extend. So it fully covers. The only thing that's showing is the, the full face mm-hmm. and the khimar extends all the way down uh, to the belly or the waist region. Okay. And then you have the third form of a headdress in Islam, and that is the niqab. And that's what's on the, the screen yeah. right now, if we can pull it up for the viewers. Uh, yeah, this they, is can, they can see there, there it is. It's, it's, um, and they have different types of niqab. Uh, some of them, uh, they have holes there where you can see the, the women's eyes. eyes. And sometimes you don't have holes like uh, like this. You have a bunch of little pinholes. It's like a netting. Yeah, it's like a yeah. netting where they can uh, see out of it, but nobody can see in it. 
Yeah. And uh, in Christianity, um, their their headdress is is something that's in between the hijab mm-hmm. and in between the khimar, uh, depending on uh, if they're a nun or if they're an early Christian or what it is that mm-hmm. they're doing exactly. And we also have. Uh, in Judaism, uh, these images right here, which are uh, going to be displayed by our producer, that shows the um, the headdress in Judaism, and you can see that in Judaism, um, many of the times, like there are parts of the hair that's showing, depending on the uh, school of thought that they mm. come from, or you know. It's fascinating that there's like so many versions of it, and there's not just one, which is just curious sort of like. Yeah. So at first glance, Mm -hmm. somebody would say to themselves, well, I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. if Christianity, Judaism and Islam, they all have the hijab or a form of hijab, obviously, this is from God. Mm. And obviously, each one of them, you know, inherited this from their prophet or their messenger, because this was a divine commandment that was Mm -hmm. given to Muhammad, it was given to Jesus, it Mm -hmm. was given to Moses, Moses. right? And that's why these people are are doing this, Mm -hmm. you know, so so it seems like a strong proof. Mm. It's only when we go into the nitty-gritty, the small, fine print Mm -hmm. of the religion, the details, when we investigate, when we choose to not listen to the preacher or the rabbi or to the imam from the mosque Mm -hmm. and and just take their word as gold. Because what they do is they stand there and they just say, it is obligatory. But when you... When you investigate for yourself, when you have enough self-respect for your own brain and mind that you say, okay, look, um, you know, I'm going to need to do a little investigation and see uh, Mm -hmm. where this comes from. This is what you find. You find that in Judaism, God brings down all of these uh, complex commandments and laws uh, upon Moses. And these commandments cover pretty much every aspect of life that you can think of mm-hmm. uh, for 600,000 Israelites that are living uh, with Moses at that time. Mm-hmm. It's covering, uh, you know, topics on, you know, like that you know, basic ones. You can't murder, you can't steal, mm-hmm. you can't fornicate. Uh, it speaks about uh, what happens if your neighbor uh, kills your animal by accident. It governs the the the, the trading and 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 it, the laws of offerings to the Lord and 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 how they have to live as a community. It governs everything. Everything. But one thing that is visibly missing from the laws that were given to Moses was a commandment from God that women wear a veil. This is not there. And I think that's quite shocking, uh, in fact, that a religion would adopt a practice and the assumption would be made that it's based on a law that was given from God, but then we find that it's not there. Uh, God doesn't say it to Moses Mm -hmm. anywhere. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say, tell the women to cover up. Nor does Moses say it 
to his people. Okay. So then what is this based off of? I wonder, actually. Yeah. It's based off of the writings of the rabbis. The rabbis, they make ishtihad. Ishtihad uh, is an Arabic word uh, that the scholars do when when they don't have uh, a particular law or or a particular uh, answer Mm -hmm. to a question that they want to reach. And so what they do is they, uh, by means of logic and through their analyzing of scripture, okay. uh, they come to the conclusion themselves. A bit strange. How did they even come to that conclusion? Well, here's how they come to the conclusion. So in uh, Numbers, uh, there is this, I'm, I'm telling you, it's so complex. They, they have I answers for, for all things. So there's this, <laughs> there's this passage in, in Numbers yes. where um, if a man has all of a sudden a feeling of jealousy, Yes. Okay. And he feels like, mm, I don't know, I feel like my wife's cheating on me. Just but a feeling. He, just a feeling. Okay. But he never saw her cheating on him. He never heard from the neighbors that she was cheating on him. Mm-hmm. Um, he never had a witness come forward, nor did he have a confession from the woman herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, nor was there a man who claimed that they were having an affair. It's just he has this feeling of jealousy. What does he do? Mm. Well, the Bible tells him what he does. And uh, in Numbers, basically, what, it, what he has to do is he has to take his wife mm-hmm. and he has to go down uh, to the priest. Okay. And basically, over there with the priest, uh, it says that uh, she's to go in front of the priest and the priest is to unbind her hair. Okay. Okay. And then they are to, the priest is to make her read a curse, and he reads a curse mm-hmm. and basically states that, you know, if I am lying and if I was having a secret affair, uh, you know, that I'm not confessing about because my husband feels jealous, then I accept the curse of God. And the curse of God would, would be that, um, my womb would uh, not carry children. I would always have like miscarriages mm-hmm. and my belly will swell. Okay. Okay. And this will be the sign. So now if she confesses, great. If she don't confess, uh, then, then they have to read this curse. They have to write the curse. They have to put the curse along with some dust um, uh, from the tabernacle in the, the water. She has to drink the water. And after that, the curse will be upon her only if she's lying. Oh, wow. Okay? Yeah. So uh, the, 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 the rabbis, what did they do? Uh, they thought about it, and they thought to themselves, hmm, uh, the verse where it says uh, that the priest unbinds her hair means that her hair was binded. Oh. It means that the people at that time, okay, that, that the women covered themselves. That's a very stretch. It is an extreme stretch uh, because uh, maybe her hair was just tied in a certain way yeah. or tied up and he had to let the hair loose. But they understand that as there being that the women at that time uh, were wearing the biblical times during the time of Moses and uh, were wearing a head veil. They also uh, take the Song of Songs mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, written by Solomon. Uh, in which uh, Solomon, it's a, it's a poem mm. in which Solomon is speaking about 
uh, his lover, and he's describing uh, her. Mm-hmm. And he says that um, her eyes from behind the veil oh. are like doves. And her hair is like a flock of goats. And so they say her hair is like a flock of goats. That means that hair can sexually excite a person. What a conclusion. And therefore, it is immodest Mm -hmm. and inappropriate that the woman not cover her hair. And they also reference uh, a verse uh, in Genesis where Rebecca, um, before she's married, Mm -hmm. uh, she veils herself uh, from out of shyness. She veils herself from her um, her husband. And so they say, oh, look, she's using a veil. And she wasn't married. So so what should we do about this? So there's no direct commandment. That's the point that says in the Hebrew Bible Mm -hmm. that you have to. And that's why many Jewish women, they don't. Okay. Okay, today they don't because there's no direct commandment that says it. But it was a law that was implemented based on the Ishtahed or the uh, research and conclusions and fatwas of the uh, rabbis. Wow. So then what happened? So then it became like a, a, a thing that they um, made a religious obligation. But it was already a practice mm-hmm. that was taking place amongst them as a tribe, as a community. According to the time, right? That makes sense. Yeah. So basically back then what was happening is that um, a... Virgin girl Hmm. would not wear a veil. Okay. But the moment that she would get married and uh, she would be with her husband, Mm -hmm. she would have to wear a veil. Oh, like a symbol that she's taken. A symbol that she's taken. Okay. You got me? Yeah, I understand. Okay. So then that became the way that they could identify people. Mm, Okay. Whether they're single or whether they're married. A single woman that you could potentially marry, mm-hmm. you can look at her and see her hair. Okay. A woman that's married, she's off the market. You okay. can't see her anymore, okay. so she has to... It's only her husband. That makes sense. It's like a ring, though. People exactly. Have, it's yeah. like a ring. Yeah. Now, that is in regards to the hijab. Mm-hmm. Niqab. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the niqab, which is on the screen right now. Yes. That also existed in Judaism. Oh, didn't know that. Yes, it did. Okay. Um, in the story of Tamar and Judah, mm-hmm. basically what took place was that uh, Judah, so he's one of the sons of Jacob, mm-hmm. and uh, he has a son. Mm-hmm. This is after jo- Joseph, they ousted him, and he's uh, okay. in Egypt. Judah has a son, and he marries her to a woman named Tamar. Mm-hmm. Shortly after they're married, his son dies. Mm. But it was Jewish law and practice, basically, it was the law that if a husband died, mm-hmm. 
and the wife was left as a widow, the brother, if there was a brother, to that man, he had to marry the woman and he had to raise from her children. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. And the children would, would carry on the name and the legacy of the brother. Do you understand? Yes, Father. So Tamar ends up getting married. Mm -hmm. Judah marries her. Then to the brother uh, uh, of the husband that passed away. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't like her. And he doesn't want to be with her. And he feels like he's forced. Mm -hmm. And so basically the Bible says that he ends up spilling his seed, uh, you know, outside of the woman. So mm -hmm. that he doesn't impregnate her. Mm -hmm. And this infuriates God. God sees it as an act of rebellion. Like he's trying to deceive God and yeah. rebel against the commandment. And this was a serious thing. The punishment for the person who would refuse to mm -hmm. marry the widow of his brother uh, is that he should be taken first to the priest and, if mm -hmm. he's, and, and they should talk some sense into him. Mm -hmm. But if, if he doesn't accept after that, they bring forward the widow mm -hmm. and she spits in his face. Oh, because what he's doing is dishonorable. Exactly, because what he's doing is dishonorable. So she'll spit in his face and then they have to take off uh, mm -hmm. one of his sandals and he's pretty much like cut off from his people. Oh. Okay? Yeah. So the guy, the second husband, he was forced to do it. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to do it. And in the end, God gets angry mm -hmm. and he causes him to die. So now she has two husbands uh, that are dead. Now... Uh, Judah still has other son. Yeah. And she goes to Judah and she tells him, you know, like now uh, it's the duty of the next son. But Judah in his heart, he's like thinking, this woman's bad luck. Mm -hmm. You know, I already gave her two of my sons and they died. Um, and he doesn't really want that she marry his last son. So he convinces her to go away for a while, you know, and mourn at her parents' house until, mm -hmm. uh, you know, later. And he promises that, you know, eventually, inshallah, khair. Trying to get rid of her. Yeah. So she goes and she realizes that, you know, he's it's seeming like he's not wanting to uh, do this. Mm -hmm. And she's getting frustrated. You know, she's embarrassed. Uh, her name's on the line. And she decides that she's going to um, you know, take back her honor. And so what she does is that she goes and the Bible states is that she changes her clothing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she wears a different type of clothing. It doesn't specify exactly what, except that she veils her face. Ah, like a niqab? Like a niqab. Her, her face is fully covered. Okay. Okay. And then it states uh, between brackets in some versions of the Bible that um, th that this mm -hmm. was the clothing of the prostitute. Okay, so the niqab actually in Judaism uh, is a symbol <laughs> of a woman that's a prostitute. That's crazy. not a holy woman, not a woman that's trying to uh, draw close to God, but but a a, yeah, exactly a prostitute. Why? Because back oh. then the prostitutes. Um, they don't want to show their faces. It's a shameful act. Oh, true. So, so naturally, they want to hide themselves. So they'll hide themselves by veiling their faces, mm -hmm. and and that way their clients don't even know who they're don't even know them. Okay. 
That's that's crazy because like the comparison between what it is then to what it is now is insane just because of the time period and the mindset of the people. Mm -hmm. Wow. So back then, it's not like today where no. the prostitutes are wearing like real short clothes no. and exposing all of their body mm -hmm. and these types of things. No, they would cover themselves in full. Wow. Okay. So that in short... Mm is the uh, history of the headdress in Judaism. And of course, there's a lot more details mm. to it, but um, this is, in short, the summary. Mm. Uh, the headdress was in Judaism. Mm. It, was a, it was a conclusion that was drawn based on these verses that I spoke to you about mm -hmm. uh, by the rabbis. Uh, there is no direct commandment that women have to wear mm -hmm. a headdress. Um, it was a symbol of a married woman. Mm -hmm. And it, it is something that is not practiced by all Jewish women today. Yeah. And then the cob also existed, but it was a symbol of prostitution. Oh. Okay. Now, Tamar... You know, I just before we move on to the to the next topic, this woman Tamar, by the way, yeah, uh, she ends up, uh, you know, uh, getting pregnant off of Judah mm -hmm. uh, because Judah impregnates her. Yeah, and uh, she had taken a seal, a symbol, uh, and a staff from uh, Judah in order that um, if she can prove that he was the father of the child. And so when word got out uh -huh. uh, that she was pregnant, uh, that uh, he wouldn't accuse her of being uh, promiscuous yes. or something like this. And he'd have to cover her and take her take back her in. into his household. Yes. And guess who she ends up being? She ends up uh, giving birth to mm -hmm. a child and mm -hmm. she ends up having grandchildren and, and their grandchildren end up having grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And out of her descendants mm -hmm. comes uh, Jesus, the son of Mary. That's why you can never judge. You can never judge. It's amazing. It is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> really. Okay. So now let's move to Christianity. If the headdress was not a mosaic commandment, and it was just tradition, really, mm -hmm. maybe Jesus said something about it. Like, why are the nuns covering themselves? Exactly. What is the origin of the headdress? Maybe it came down in the in the fifth covenant, in the in the, yeah. in the, the Jesuit covenant. Yeah. We actually find that in the in the in the New Testament, mm -hmm. the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they don't say anything about the headdress, mm -hmm. and there's no quotes in the New Testament from Jesus Christ mm -hmm. where. He says that women have to cover their head at all. There's no such thing. Yet the nuns wear it like a... Yeah. So where does it come from? Like it's a uniform. Well, it comes from Paul. Okay. So Paul is this disciple. Hmm. Uh, he's a, He proclaims himself to be the disciple to the Gentiles. Jesus, if you remember, he had 12 disciples. Yes. Uh, one of them named Judas, yeah. betrayed. Yes. Okay, and then he was replaced with another disciple, uh, who's not Paul. Uh, but then there was this guy, he was a, he was a, he was a Jewish guy, mm -hmm. 
who was living um, during the time of Jesus and his disciples, mm -hmm. and he hated Christians so bad. Oh. And he would kill Christians. He would kill the followers uh, of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then one day uh, he says that he had a kashf, he had an epiphany, mm -hmm. he had a revelation, a vision, that uh, Jesus came to him and told him that he's, he's going to be a disciple of his. Okay. Okay. And so he proclaimed himself a disciple and took it upon himself to go spread uh, the word. And Paul, uh, he spreads the word, mm -hmm. but it, he's not on the same page as the disciples. And he's certainly not on the same page mm -hmm. as Simon Peter, whom Jesus appoints as his vice chair. Mm -hmm. And we can do a whole episode, inshallah, in the future um, about Paul. Mm -hmm. uh, but in short, uh, there's uh, the, the New Testament itself Mm -hmm. preserves many arguments mm -hmm. that take place between Paul and between Simon, Simon Peter. Peter yeah. And Paul is pretty much calling Simon Peter a hypocrite, okay? Mm -hmm. And accusing him of, of uh, you know, like in secret sitting with the non-Jewish people, mm -hmm. the Gentiles, but then in the eyes of the people, he runs away out of shame. Mm -hmm. uh, he accuses him of hypocrisy, accuses mm -hmm. him of lots of things. That should be enough for someone who believes in Jesus and his voice during the position of Paul. And Paul also differs mm -hmm. with what Simon Peter says you have to do in order to be a Christian. Simon is saying that you have to circumcise okay. your children, mm -hmm. your, uh, your boys, just like Jewish people do. Yeah. Um, Paul's saying no. Paul is responsible, actually, mm. for most of the um, conversions to Christianity that take place in Europe. And mm -hmm. he's also responsible for the version of Christianity which exists today. He encourages in his version of Christianity uh, to comply with the uh, rulers of the world. Okay. Um, he also teaches that it's not so much important mm -hmm. to obey the laws of God, that it's more important uh, to just believe in this idea mm -hmm. that Jesus was God and that he was uh, crucified mm -hmm. for the sins of the people. And if you do that, then that's enough pretty much. It's true. That is the Christianity of today. But yeah, Paul implemented mm -hmm. some laws of his own. And one of them, which he speaks about mm -hmm. on more than one occasion, is that women have to cover their hair. And he is insisting on it so much. Mm -hmm. They're saying if she don't, then she should shave her head bald. Like, where does he draw the conclusion from? Well, the conclusion is, Paul's mm -hmm. saying what? He's saying that all Christian men now, mm -hmm. they should never wear a hat. That wearing a hat is offensive because the now nothing is above them except for God. So God mm -hmm. is above men. Men, okay. But women have above them 
men. And so they have to have the headdress over their hair. So this hierarchy. Well, remember in in Judaism, Paul was a Jew. Yeah. The headdress was a symbol of what? Was a symbol of that this woman is now married. married. Uh, she belongs to this man. Oh, that makes sense. The man is her shepherd now. He has, you okay. know, it's like he captured her. It's the net in which he uh, proclaims ownership over the woman. Okay. So Paul is saying that all women are underneath men, and so they have to wear this headdress, and he's extremely mm-hmm. adamant about it. Without quoting, Jesus, Mm -hmm. without quoting scripture, is just him speaking from his own self. He just took his old tradition and just implemented and made a law from it. Exactly. And that is the origin of the hijab in Christianity. An invention by Mm -hmm. Paul, who never met Jesus, who was fighting with the Mm -hmm. vice chairman of Jesus and accusing him of hypocrisy. So unfortunate. And who was killing the followers of Jesus and had lots of their blood on his hands. It's unfortunate. Propagating the Jewish tradition that also does not have an origin mm-hmm. uh, from God. Okay, now we come to Islam. Mm. What is the origin? of this idea that hijab is obligatory in Islam. Mm. People, they always reference in Islam, unlike Judaism and Christianity, they reference verses which they consider to be clear verses Mm -hmm. in which the God through the prophet in the Quran is commanding women to wear the hijab. And the verse states, Mm -hmm. and the women should strike their khimar mm-hmm. over their jiyub. Jiyub. Jiyub means pockets. Interesting. Sometimes you'll find this verse translated as like that they strike it over their bosoms, mm-hmm. their chest. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the word, it means like Pockets. If you look it up in the dictionary, mm-hmm. it will quote that verse from the Quran, and it will say pockets, and 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 you know, or that which is in the pocket. That's interesting. Yeah, and and you and you find out what does it mean. Yeah, and and they say that it means that uh, your your outfit, your shirt, oh. because because. Yeah, your clothing. You have pockets in your yeah. clothing. Yeah. You have an opening here where yeah. your head comes out, uh-huh. and you have openings where your hands come out. Okay. And you have an opening where yeah. you know the rest of your body, your legs or whatever, will come out. Mm-hmm. And so, everything that is in your pocket, your clothing, your body yeah. right here, yeah. should you should strike the chemar over the veil over. Oh, just like a. Yeah, so they say it's the same thing. You're striking it over your chest. Yeah. You're striking it over yeah. your body parts that are within the pockets, because these are pockets, pockets right? Okay, yeah. Like these are pockets. This, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. And further evidence mm-hmm. that this is what it means is that the word 
mm-hmm. in a singular form, appears in another surah where God is commanding Moses to put his hand in his pocket, in his the veiled area, oh. right, his dress, uh-huh. and pull it out, and uh-huh. it will be shining. Also, it confirms that word. And, and what, what do they understand it to mean? Is yeah. that is that he has his shirt? He doesn't yeah. have a turtleneck on, okay. but he has a shirt, and and so he places his hand in like that. Okay. Oh. It, do you understand? Yeah, totally. It, and like, he pulls it, it out. Puts it in, pulls it out. So the pocketed area is this. Yeah, the openings of your your, your dress yeah. that yeah. you're wearing. Okay. So if a man could put his hand within his pocket like that, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. then perhaps the women at the time they could also do that. So mm. part of their chest is showing, showing yeah. through their dress. Yeah. So the verse is saying, pull yeah. the veil over it. Pull okay. the chemar mm-hmm. over it and cover it. Okay. I understand. And Muslims from that time until today, mm-hmm. they do not all agree or even have evidence for what the hijab is supposed to look like exactly. So for some people, mm-hmm. this verse that I was telling you about, mm-hmm. they say, okay, well, this khimar. Uh, that the woman's wearing that she has to strike over her chest, mm-hmm. then that means that that it was a head veil that was already covering yeah, their head, the and now we have to extend it to cover all of the body. And so they get the khimar mm-hmm. idea to mean that. That which extends from the head covers the hair and goes all the way down. This is exactly what the rabbis did. With the, yeah, they're with coming the to their conclusions. conclusions yeah. Other ones state, no, 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 no. Yeah. There's, there's a hadith that we heard a companion say. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the woman, all of her, is, a, is, is an aura. It's something that's like um, seductive. Seductive, yes. If you look at her, uh, it will excite you, the whole thing, mm-hmm. even her face. And so there... The veil has to cover the hair, has to cover the face, has to cover the eyes, has to cover the chest, has to cover everything. And so for these Muslims, the niqab is that which was made obligatory. Okay. The hijab for them is the niqab. The niqab is the proper hijab. Yeah, for the real one. It's the real hijab. While some Muslims think, no, the face Mm -hmm. and the hands are okay. Okay. Because there's another hadith. Uh, oh, there's so much. There's, yeah, there's another hadith in which another companion states that uh, the that he heard the prophet say that the aura of a woman is everything except for her face mm-hmm. and her hands. He points at her at her face and at her hands. And some people say, oh well, actually, when he was pointing at her face, he also met her hair too. And so that for that reason, hijab is not obligatory. A small group will say that. Oh, okay. You know, the women that 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 don't believe in that hijab is obligatory, but that you should just cover Come. yourself modestly. Mm-hmm. Scary how many conclusions they're all drawing. And the general population of Muslims around mm-hmm. the world, uh, they just stick to, okay, well, we should just cover our hairs. Yeah. 
the reasoning that um, they give mm. for um, the that God, you know, makes it obligatory that a woman wears a hijab is because they say that uh, she is a you know a, a sexual uh, ex exciting object, some something that will. Uh, cause men to, um, you know, basically to fall. Yeah. yeah, that they'll imagine her or lust after her, and so for that reason, uh, we have to cover uh, the woman up in order to protect the man from, you know, going uh, astray. It's sad because it's meant to be a, a thing that the the time period was using to protect the woman, mm -hmm. and now it's become a symbol of just. You know, not a protection anymore, just a means to... Well, some scholars will say that, like, like some scholars will say that, like, the reason uh, for the hijab is also to protect the woman. Mm. Yeah. Because the verse says mm -hmm. that it's purer for you. So they draw the conclusions. But there's no explicit verses or, uh, sorry, narrations mm -hmm. from the Prophet Muhammad where he specifically instructs uh, in all clarity, what the hijab should look like mm. and what should it cover. Mm -hmm. It's all conclusions that are drawn. It's so sad because all three religions seem to be just drawing conclusions. There's no direct command from God, clearly, from mm. the direct prophet no. himself. There are some traditions, a few of them, mm -hmm. uh, from Imam al-Rida, uh, Shia traditions that um, where somebody asks the Imam about the hijab. So look look now, like Imam al-Rida is the eighth Imam. I, I, okay, right. so now now the the Prophet passes away. Yeah. Imam Ali passes away. Imam Hassan yeah. passes away. Imam Hussein passes away. Imam Zain al-Abidin passes away. Imam Muhammad mm -hmm. al-Bakr passes away. Jafar al-Sadiq passes away. Mm -hmm. Musa Qazim passes away. And then is Ali al-Rida. The whole Umayyad dynasty went away. <laughs> and now we're in the Abbasid dynasty. And and, and they're still confused. They still don't know what what the hijab is supposed to look like. Wow, that's a yeah. testimony in itself. It's not clear and wasn't clear for the people at the time. And so they ask him, and a few of these narrations mention mm -hmm. that it should cover the hair. Okay. Okay. And yet we find that there is a little bit of a contradiction that's mm -hmm. taking place in the Muslim Ummah during that time period. Oh, what is that? I was like... Oh, it's, it's, it's uh, crazy, Sarah. Mm. So there is this hadith that states, and it's a Sahih hadith, that Amr ibn Khattab, Okay, and and he this guy he was like he was like for for the Sunni Muslims the symbol yeah. of like wanting to protect the woman, yeah, and wanting adamant. like women to be covered, wanting to protect men from women. He is like the Paul yeah. of Islam. This guy, very clear. And this guy added lots of things to Islam. We should also do a whole episode about yeah. him about how he changed the adhan and he added in there as-salatu khayrum min al-nawm and he he took out things, added things to the religion of Islam. So Omar, yes. Islam's Paul, uh -huh. what does he do? One day the hadith says that he passes by a woman and she was wearing a hijab and the hijab was covering her hair. Okay. Okay. 
And then, and then he hits her. Well, why? She's he, covering for He hits her because she's covered. That's insane. He hits her because she's covered. Absolutely. He hits her because she's covered. Because he asks her, uh, are you a free woman? And she says, no. And he says, the hijab's only for the free woman. Hijab is only for the free And he hits her so that she unveils herself because she was a slave girl. Because uh, of the society. Yeah. So just okay. like in Judaism. Yeah. Where you have the the, the virgin, yeah, and she would not wear hijab. No, and in society over there, the married woman would wear the hijab. Over here, uh -huh. it was it was forbidden in society Probably that the woman, yeah, who was a slave, mm -hmm. should wear the hijab. Oh, because it's a symbol of a, a mar because the aura, yeah, that which is uh -huh. um, deemed lustful or, or uh, seductive for people that which should be covered mm -hmm. for a slave girl is different than for a free girl. Okay. Okay? For a slave girl, it's only from her belly to her knees. Knees, okay. Yeah. And that's why in Islam during those time periods, all of the slave women um, were topless mm -hmm. and uh, their hairs weren't covered. Mm -hmm. And their body was totally showing. Mm -hmm. And uh, for years and years after that, they would be sold uh, in the market. Mm -hmm. And you even have, uh, you, so you have many paintings which demonstrate yeah. this. And also uh, photographs. Yeah. Even of minor girls during mm -hmm. the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. That mm -hmm. were serving uh, these um, Princes, you know, yeah. th their masters mm -hmm. and they were forced to walk around in the palace completely mm -hmm. naked. Yeah. Open for them to see basically. Open for them to see. Yeah. And on the marketplace they were sold openly. So if the argument mm -hmm. for the existence of hijab is to protect women? Is to protect women or to protect the men from being aroused by mm. uh, naked women in society. Mm -hmm. That don't even make sense because they were all over the place. Exactly. They were serving them in their homes naked. Yeah. They were walking around in the streets naked. Exactly. Uh, they were being sold in the marketplace naked. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with morality in society. Clearly not. Absolutely not. <laughs> You made it very clear. Like it's hypocrisy, really. Okay, of course it is. So there's a, a different agenda and attention behind. So then, so then what is the purpose behind it? Exactly. And what we find is that uh, clearly uh, God wants men and women and does command that. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the Quran, in many verses, mm -hmm. in the Bible, on the tongues of Jesus and the rest of the prophets, uh, in the Torah, mm -hmm. God commands man and woman to be modest. Yes, that's true. To be humble. To have shame. Mm -hmm. To be decent human beings. Mm -hmm. God is against uh, promiscuous behavior, lewdness, mm -hmm. immorality in general yes. for both sexes. Yes. But what we find is that he does not command mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. In a clear fashion at all. Mm-hmm. In a direct fashion at all. In Judaism, Christianity, Islam, in the Torah, in the Bible, in the mm-hmm. Quran, there is no verses. There are no verses mm-hmm. that state that a woman has to cover her hair. Yeah. This does not exist. It's clear you can't find it. You can't find it. But what you do find is that the women mm-hmm. that were living around the time of the Prophet used to cover themselves. Mm-hmm. And that it was a tradition of society. And we do have evidence mm-hmm. that before the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and his family, mm-hmm. was even sent forth as a prophet at the age of 40, that the practice of women veiling themselves or wearing hijab or being covered uh, very modestly from from their heads to their toes, that this was already a practice that was taking place in the household Uh, that the Prophet was raised in. It was a sunnah that Abdul Muttalib and Mm -hmm. the women of his family used to do. Okay. And the Prophet Muhammad carried on this sunnah. Yeah. Fatima al-Zahra, she did cover herself Mm -hmm. fully. It makes sense for the time period. Uh, uh, Khadija Mm -hmm. covered herself fully. Mm -hmm. Zainab covered herself fully. Mm Mm-hmm. Peace be upon them. But there's a difference between them covering themselves fully out of their own choice and out of it being a tradition that was practiced by Rebecca or by the daughters or the family members of some of the prophets and messengers Mm -hmm. Mm And it being a divine obligation and command that if you break it, you're going into hellfire. Yeah, but that's that's the sad thing of Islam. A very big difference. Yeah, it's huge. And so the hijab is a sunnah. Mm -hmm. And it's a very beautiful sunnah. Mm -hmm. And if a woman wants to wear hijab, Mm -hmm. she should wear hijab. Yes. If a woman does not want to walk in the streets and uh, allow anybody else to look at her hair, her head, uh, any part of her body, she absolutely has the right to do so. Exactly. And that's beautiful that she has that choice. But to force Mm -hmm. um, women and to terrify them and terrorize them Mm. and make them think that they're going to go to hellfire. Scare them. uh, unless they wear the hijab Mm -hmm. when we know for a fact that women that were around the prophets and the messengers like jesus mary magdalene and the women that were around him they didn't wear a headdress no they didn't it's not documented anywhere and to force little girls that are yet to even hit puberty Mm -hmm. to force them to wear the hijab at at the ages of two and three years old is Mm -hmm. a great crime. Definitely. To make it obligatory Mm -hmm. upon them when it has no basis in scripture, except that it was a practice uh, that the Jewish people did and then Mm -hmm. a practice that Paul 
did and 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 Omar and the people that were with him uh, they enforced it mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know through physical beatings on mm -hmm. uh, women mm -hmm. that were on that time mm -hmm. except if they're slaves then they would beat them to take it off it's just insane uh, then this is not something that we can accept no and so we'll stop at that point mm -hmm. I think we've left the viewers with a, a lot to kind of uh, contemplate uh, mm -hmm. over and uh, think about and uh, Imam Ahmed Hassan he said he said that um, the hijab mm -hmm. was a sunnah of Abdul Muttalib it was yeah. a sunnah of some of the uh, prophets yes uh, but it was never ever ever part of a divine jurisprudence that was given uh, to mankind from Adam's time mm -hmm. all the way down no, it's it's so clear. Obviously, I mean, I just wish people would could see that that they're just following the past nations, um, the wrongdoings past nations have done. Just how the rabbis have drawn that conclusion and did what they did with it, then to Paul and then to Omar, and I just wish people could see that connection. And you've made it very clear, Father. And uh, I just hope that people who who can hear hear this. So thank you so much, Abbasai. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it was an honor. It's an honor to have you here. God bless you. And thank you so much for uh, for being here. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, inshallah, we have many more episodes in the future that we'll do together. Yes, Father. God thank bless you. you. Thank you. I am so grateful and honored that the riser of the family of Muhammad has come out and finally liberated women and given us the truth of the, the stance of hijab. Why? Because all my life, personally, and all the women I knew, they have been dismissed and shunned. And, and especially when they speak on behalf of religion or express their beliefs or claim to be Muslim, they are automatically just looked down upon just because it's not, they're not wearing a head covering. The whole, her whole heart, her faith, and her relation with God is just thrown out the window just because she's not covered. It's really sad that uh, if I even appear on a video or I come out to talk about religion, people don't want to hear from me just because I'm not wearing a head covering. Um, and just based on that, a, a woman wearing a head covering or not, people have already come to the conclusion and judgment that she's either bad or good. And who are we to judge? And he has come forth and told us that only God can judge a person's um, relationship with him and that it was never part of God's commandment. And that why it was um, in society is because clearly because of the scholars own interpretations of things and you don't understand how freeing that is to know that it's not from God because because the people pushing it that it's from God is what terrified many women across the whole world that they're not good. They would question, they would actually question their own beliefs due to not being, uh, not wearing a piece of clothing upon their head. And that was very sad. And uh, truly, he's proven that he is a man from God who has come forth to spread the um, spread justice and equity.